Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Luxury exemplified. Innovation electrified. The all-new, all-electric EQS SUV from Mercedes-Benz. Have you ever done something, or let's say attended something, that really changed your perspective on yourself? Did you ever sit there listening to somebody speak, and they spoke a truth that you were not aware of until that moment? And in that moment, it launched you to so many other revealing things about yourself, that that moment made you rise and begin to move towards the person you wanted to become. Today's guest is Nikki Pelletier. Nikki has an amazing story of rising after a lifetime of not really understanding who she was, where she needed to go, and how that could happen. I'm so fortunate that Nikki chose to share her story about her life about her rise and how she's trying to shine. Enjoy the conversation with Nikki Pelletier. Okay. Nikki, it is very nice to be chatting with you today. I really appreciate you being on. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. Well, what a what a world we're in right now, right? Oof. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, things have changed quite a bit. And uh, I believe, I mean, you uh, work for Disney, correct? Yes. And yeah. so things have changed in the happiest place on earth, right? Yeah, yeah. We're currently uh, adjusting to all of this uh, happenings in the world. So it's 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 unprecedented, uh, which I think is oh, most for most people. Right. I mean, this is not yeah. like anything we've ever experienced. Yeah, it's um, I don't think anybody can say, oh, well, I've been a part of something like this um, ever, generally. So we're all kind of learning on the on the fly here on how to you know, go about our daily lives, you know. Yes, absolutely. Well, I was excited. It does look a lot different than it was <laughs> yeah. uh, even like a week ago. I feel like by the second, things are changing, you know? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine like people are thinking about, like I was just, as you know, I was just in Disney World and Animal Kingdom mm -hmm. and uh, it was packed, you know, it was like so yeah. crowded and uh, I can't imagine an empty Disney park. I can't imagine that. Yeah, none of us can actually. It's It's the whole thing is just such a surreal experience it just in general um 
not only from a business side, but from a personal side. How's it affected you personally? Um, it's been quite a roller coaster. Um, it's, I was probably one of the least panicked people, uh, on the planet for a long time. Mm -hmm. I have obviously been through hurricanes and blizzards and all of that kind of thing, you know, and, um, I think sometimes, you know, media, um, makes things or they sensational sensationalize things. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I, I took it seriously, but I didn't take it seriously, seriously until probably about maybe a week and a half ago or so when it all really kind of, uh, hit me. So it's, it's just been, it's been crazy because I think now more than ever, we need human connection. And with this whole, with the whole social distancing, which I understand why we're doing it, but it's, it's, it's kind of putting a, uh, hindrance on human connection person per yeah. face to face anyway. You know, I don't like the term social distancing just because I think you could still be very social and doing things like this. I, I prefer physical distancing, but I feel like it just has a weird connotation. Be like social distance, like just don't be social. Just keep your distance. That's just me. Um, because really it's more of a physical distance that, you know, we're trying to keep primarily uh, from each other. But, you know, I think you do, we do need human connection. And I actually think things like podcasts are going to become more important than ever in having conversations with people because they're outlets. You know, a lot of people, and I knew this way before all this happened, is throughout my years and my profession and just observations, a lot of people don't have a lot of people to talk to or they're really, very lonely. And this can only increase that for some people. So it's important to have that connection. Yeah. Right. And I absolutely agree with you. I think the term physical distancing is much better because we are all, we're, this is new territory for all of us. So we don't know, we have all these feelings and we don't know what to do with them. So I think now more than ever, it's important to reach out and stay connected because I think it's easy for us to sit back and think that we're alone in our feelings or we think that we're crazy or, you know, in that sense. So I totally agree with you. Physical distancing is definitely a better term than, than social distancing. I think our words carry a lot of weight with us. And I think for humans, how we say things has a huge impact on how we behave. You know, we think of kind of like physical things, somebody being hurt and stuff, but like the words are power. And everything you say and how you say it, it creates a snowball effect for people. It's kind of like this whole toilet paper thing. It is a very <laughs> human created thing. You know, yeah. it's not necessary. Like, honestly, it's one of the last things you need. You could squeegee that thing. You really don't need it. <laughs> if you really think about it, you don't need it. You could survive easily without toilet paper. Right. That's one of the things that's kind of blown my mind because I'm thinking, okay, certain things I'm like, all right, but still I, like I said, I've, I've been through hurricanes and blizzards and things. And I'm thinking, don't you guys know you're going to have electricity and water? Just, I mean, you know, like yeah. you can cook things, like you don't have to buy up all the canned goods. And I mean, I get the fresh <laughs> food, but it's just, 
it's the toilet paper thing blows my mind. Absolutely. I, I just blind. don't understand it. Yeah. I don't understand <laughs> it at all. Um, I just think it's a good example of like something running away, kind of like a train running away. And, you know, <laughs> like I said, the words people, they hear somebody's like, oh, get toilet paper. And everybody's like, yeah, maybe we need toilet paper. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a little crazy, just a little bit. I actually, um, I went shopping last week or stopped in the grocery store last week and it, it looked like Christmas Eve at the mall. Right. And I was like, okay, maybe. And then I started to question myself, like, am I not panicking and I should panic? So, because it's kind of like you said about a snowball effect, but I am very much a believer in energy and just feeling people's energy and it turning into this panic. It really, I felt it last Friday actually the most um, because I was pretty calm before that, but then it was just everybody I kind of interacted with had this look of panic on their face and they're just stressing out and I'm an empath. So I, I suck up everyone's energy. So it was, I, I had a hard time kind of, distancing myself a little bit from that because there isn't really is no distance from the panic right now yeah unfortunately um kind of the the emotional panic and the economic uh fallout will be much greater than the virus the virus will end that for people who will listen i mean from based off of understanding pathology and the research and what's currently going on and um at some point you know, it needs a lot of hosts. And if there's less and less hosts due to isolation, it will subside. But the bigger problem will be the emotional and economic fallout. The two E's will last way longer than the virus will last. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. The other thing I think too, is that we're, I think, I don't know if I'm just speaking for myself, but we're kind of afraid to laugh. We're kind of afraid to joke because I mean, yeah. this is serious, right? But at the same time, I mean, I feel like if you can't laugh, there's no point in living. Like for my personally, you know what I mean? And not to laugh at a situation or at people, but just to to kind of just take a moment to just really appreciate what you have and, and just laugh at things because we we're just not doing that enough. And like I said, I think we feel guilty because I mean, even in my in social media, you know, on my Facebook page, I'm very positive and mm-hmm. I feel almost pressure to not be positive, which is weird, right? Because I think we need positivity now more than ever. Where do you, where do you think you're sensing that, that, that weird pressure to not be positive? How is that happening? What do you see? Um, I just see so many people, again, I hate to keep going back to the word panic, but panicking and then then kind of feeling like we have to talk about this all the time. We can't talk about something positive that's not related to the virus. You know, I mean, mm. I've seen positive stories out there about people helping people, but it's still always in relation to the virus. It's not, it's not, oh, hey, I had a funny moment today. I, you know, tripped over something in my apartment and I did, you know, some, something lighthearted that doesn't involve the virus. Yeah, I I can see that too. I mean, I noticed like on LinkedIn, like on Monday, um, which is when a lot of 
you know, cities started experiencing shutdowns and stuff that it was really nobody posting. And I think they were kind of paralyzed by like the whole thing. And so I put out a really nice thing about, you know, just be close to people, care about each other, love one another, like, and take this time to do some good things in your life, you know, whole thing. And a lot of people really appreciated that because while it, you know, obviously had, it was a ricochet of the virus. It was like, Hey, there's a different narrative that can be painted here too. We're going to find out during this slowdown time that people are going to create something amazing. Somebody's going to create something that's going to change the world because they're going to have time actually right. to do it. Right. There's going to be there during the bubonic plague, a lot of amazing things occurred technological wise, actually look back at it and all these things. It's course is bad, but there's a tremendous amount of good. You just have to be willing to see it, you know, and that doesn't disrespect the difficulties that are going on. I think that's what people think, like they're disrespecting the hardships right. of others. But in the hardship, you have to have, you have to be positive. You have to have the other side. You can't just be all bad, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's it. You know, it's, it's hard right now. It's just, it's hard. And having being someone that has suffered from clinical depression it and knowing that i am the kind of person that needs you know physical contact with people right face to face um mm. it's it's something i have to keep in check as well because i mean i'm working from home i've never worked from home before i'm an admin right so i support people it's what i do all day i have face to face interaction for you know eight plus hours a day. And going from that to staring at four walls in my apartment is it's hard for me. And, you know, so I think a lot of people are coming into your situation that you're talking about. And I think we have like a very opposite experience because all of my work is remote and has mm -hmm. been for several years. So like my life has been the same pretty much, you know, in a right. weird way. And I live in a very isolated area that's a border town that's surrounded by water, essentially, um, very cut off. So life here has been very similar for mm -hmm. the majority of us. Uh, but I can imagine in Orlando or Las Vegas, New York City and all that, now San Francisco, that life is changing dramatically for so many people. And they're now working from home or... And the other worst case scenario, the worst case that there is a lot of commission workers and things who are losing all of their money immediately. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's just like us. I mean, we've never shut down. We've essentially shut down an enti the entire Disney operation from the guest facing standpoint. And yeah, it's in, and, and you know, we have construction going on. All of that is stock. So Thankfully, you know, Disney has stepped up and has said that they would pay, you know, pay all their employees that aren't able to work. But for how long, we don't know. But at least that's an option right now, whereas contractors and things, they don't have that option. So we're I mean, it's it's huge. It's huge. People went from having a job yesterday to not having anything today. And, and that's that's a lot. Yeah, it's a huge amount of thing. I I wonder how long can that go on before our government has to take care of our humans, you know, our citizens? And regardless of whether they, you know, are employees or gig workers and stuff, like how do we take care of our humans? Um, how does our 
our system step up to help these humans, all of us who cannot go for many, many, many months with a situation like this financially. So um, I want to be hopeful that people in those places are, are looking at taking care of people because you're just looking at a situation where, you know, people become desperate when they had, and they feel like they're in a corner in a lot of way, emotionally, socially, financially, especially, then they do right. bad stuff, man. They start doing weird oh, yeah. things and you don't want that. You don't want that right. happening on a, on a mass, uh, United States level, not like a one hot spot, but like all over the country, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. I'm, I'm hopeful that something is done for that, you know? Mm hmm. So you mentioned your like clinical depression and, you know, it was interesting. I think Michelle Zellner con- connected us, right? Yes, she did. That wonderful woman. Oh, my gosh. I love Michelle <laughs> Zellner. I got a lot of Michelles that I love in my life. And uh, yes, me too. She's so actually. wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. And um, I'm so glad she connected us, you know, and she's very careful about who she sends my way. But uh, she was on fire for connecting you and I together. And I'm very grateful for that. Me as well. Me as well. And she, uh, you know, I had attended a webinar uh, that Disney sponsored years, uh, about a year and a half ago or so. And she was the uh, keynote speaker. And I immediately was felt connected to her. So um, I friended her her a company on Facebook. And then somehow along the line, I became friends with her, friends, friends with her, I guess. And so I started posting again. I took a break last year from social media for almost the whole year. Last year was one of the hardest years um, that I had experienced as of yet. And um, I got, you know, kind of, I, I went to a personal development conference and, and really changed, changed my, my life around um, in January this year. So started posting on social media and Michelle commented on my post. And I said, Michelle Zellner, who, what Michelle posted, commented mm-hmm. on my post. <laughs> so talk to her. And then uh, now here we are. And I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful and, and honored actually that, uh, that she connected us. Yeah. That's wonderful. Tell me a little bit about what was so hard about the previous year for you. Uh, it was a lot of things. I, um, went through a personal breast cancer scare. Um, and then, uh, about a month and a half after my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So, um, it kind of started a spiral for me. Um, and it just, it was, it was just a really hard year, um, in general. And then of course I just, I got just, really, really, really depressed and ended up um, eventually seeing a psychiatrist when I realized that I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. Um, I was, I, I said, you know, I wasn't suicidal where I wouldn't, didn't want to do it myself, but if I would have walked out the door and a bus would have hit me and I would have died, that would have been fine. Um, that's at that point was when I said, I got to do something here. I can't, I can't, I can't go on like this anymore. So, um, so it was, it was a a turning point for me. I, like I said, I started seeing a psychiatrist. I went on eventually went on medication, which I was really hesitant to do um, because part of it was stigma. Part of it was, I felt weak for 
um, needing that. But at the same time, I would have never told anyone else that if they needed medication to not absolutely do it. So, um, so I, I started on medication, uh, just some antidepressants and, um, was on them for about four months or so. Um, it kind of, uh, really took the edge off and, and got me kind of back to, um, back to a better place. Um, I also had had an injury. Um, I had started running in 2017 and it became a big focal point of my life and I got injured and I couldn't do it anymore. So that, you know, kind of perpetuated my depression as well. Um, because I'd never really had anything physical that I did that I enjoyed so much that I couldn't do anymore. So I kind of, this whole notion of identity and I identified myself as a runner and when I couldn't identify myself as that anymore, it it just really kind of destroyed me. Um, and I started, you know, eating because, you know, I, I eat my feelings. And I had lost probably, oh, I was close to about almost 50 pounds. Um, and then I proceeded to, over the last year, gain almost all of it back. Um, so that's been really hard, too. So it just, it was just... Uh, it was just one thing after another, after another. Um, and so, but here I am today and I'm, I'm so blessed um, to be where I am today and grateful. Um, I attended Rachel Hollis's rise conference in January and, uh, changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. What was the biggest, what was the biggest takeaways from that conference that changed your life? Ah, uh, <laughs> it was, um, digging into my past. And I feel like I'm a pretty self-aware person, but I've realized that I'm not as self-aware as I had like to pride myself as being. So digging into deep fears, um, figuring out where they'd come from. I had put all of these nice uh, things in these nice little boxes with a bow on top as to why I do things. And it kind of flipped it on its head and said, okay, well, that's a nice box, but let's go deeper. Um, so just doing a lot of soul work, a lot of um, processing hard stuff. And it's made me have a lot of realizations that have really opened my eyes to why I do things and try to, you know, stop the, the fear from taking over. Um, because it's it's really easy for us to let our fears just kind of run our lives. What were those realizations that you came to? Oh, there was several. <laughs> um, you know I'm going to ask these things. Right? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I guess uh, there's so many. Um, I had experienced emotional abuse for most of my childhood. So... I had always kind of put that as, okay, well, this is why I have self-esteem issues. This is why I have, um, you know, just the, the general kind of day-to-day um, -day issues that I have. But I realized, you know, digging, you know, deeper and deeper and realizing what is the real fear here? Um, one of the biggest things that I realized was uh, fear of not being accepted um, was a really big one. And I had to go way back and figure out when was the first time that I felt like I didn't, I, I wasn't enough. 
And that's really hard to do because I think we go back, right? When we, we have an experience, you know, when we're younger or, or whenever, and then we, we make that, you know, okay, this is, this is what happened, right? Then we have things that happen after that, that reinforce that. And then that becomes truth for us when it was never truth in the first place. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. So, so realizing going back and saying, okay, first asking a question, is this a true, is this true? Or is that something that was triggered by emotion and you know, if you're told you're not enough, is that really the truth? Are you really not enough? And the answer is no, you're enough. But again, all these other circumstances that happen in your life have reinforced that. So you're like, see, yep, told you I'm not enough. Right. Yeah. Interesting. What other things were you, did you come to realize uh, from this? Um relationships as far as um relationships with the opposite sex i mm -hmm. have lived my life single for pretty much my whole entire life um i was engaged in my early 20s but then really haven't had a relationship um with a guy since then so and i'm 47 so it's been a long time um so i decided to dip my toe into the online dating world, which is a very interesting place to be. Um, <laughs> That's putting it mildly, I would say. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, which I had done a few years ago um, and it was, it didn't, it didn't turn out well, but I had, again, some, some other box I had put myself in is I'm very independent. I'm very independent and I am right. I'm independent. I can go to the movies by myself. I can, I do think I live alone. I'm like, I am very independent. So I had started dating um, this man and, you know, it got to a point where um, he was very attentive and I really didn't even realize that I had walls, like really, really thick walls with guys. Um, and I had always said, well, it's because I've lived a different life. That's why I'm single. Mm, no, it's because I have spent my entire life pushing away guys, which was a big realization for me because I looked back on, you know, my parents' relationship and how my mother's every move was controlled, controlled her thoughts, her voice, her, her every movement that she had. Um, and I had decided a really long time ago that I was going to stick my heels in the ground and say, I will never be controlled by a man. And I, that was a huge realization for me that came flying in my face. Like, wow. Okay. So it's not that this guy is being too attentive. It's that you pushed him away because you felt you were being controlled when that really wasn't the case at all. Right. What were you doing? Some examples of things you were doing to push to push um, this person away. Oh, I just flat out told him it wasn't going to work. Oh, I mean, this amazing guy who was patient and kind and caring. And I totally I completely pushed him away. I, I completely pushed him away. And I. I felt relief, immediate relief. Because that was 
the old me, right? The me of the, hey, these walls are up and I don't want to make myself vulnerable. So I'm just going to run away. Great. Go back to my bubble, right? Perfect. Well, then January happened and I went to rise and I dug in and I was like, uh-oh, okay, I could have and most likely blew it and most likely just, you know, this guy could have been the guy to help me, you know, with to navigate through these new feelings that I'm having. Um, so I actually reached back out to him um, and graciously he graciously um accepted our reconnection and things are going extremely well right now with him so i'm just i'm i'm so blessed um that he was able to actually you know trust me because i mean it and it's it's actions speak louder than words and i understand if he's apprehensive but at the same time i'm like look i'm being honest and I'm finding my voice. That's another thing that happened to me at Rise too. Yeah. You know, finding my voice and using it. I've spent my life as a people pleaser. So I I I am always more concerned about what how anyone else feels than I do myself. So, you know, I I'm just using my voice and saying what I want and what I need for the first time in my life. And it's hard and it's scary, but at the same time, it's very liberating. My friend, my friend came up with that word the other day because I kept saying it's like a weight lift, lifted off my chest. She said, no, no, yeah. no, it's liberating. Just being able to say what I feel. Um, I'm always going to be cognizant of somebody else's feelings just because I'm a caring person. Right. But at the same time, yeah. not sacrificing myself so much. Welcome to the intermission. This is your moment, your thinking moment. How will you change? How can you change? Life is full of opportunities to find ourselves, to find that person inside, and to let it out, and to grow, and to flourish, and help others grow. This is your thinking moment, but soon it's going to be your action moment. How will you act? Think about that. I get that. You know, what's interesting about you that I observed is when my family was in uh, Disney World and um, we were down there and you text you sent me a text, said, Darian, I hope you guys are having a great day at Animal Kingdom. I was like, oh, she remembered we were going to that park. And then we got back. You wanted to know how our trip was. And I thought, I don't even know this person that well. <laughs> and they're texting me to see how uh, we're doing. And I thought, one, this is something like I like to do, but I'm not mm -hmm. used to having it done to me. Right. Uh, so... I thought that was incredibly kind, and I think it's one of the wonderful attributes about you, Nikki, and that is something I certainly hope you never lose, because you that comes across very loud and clear with you that you care. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I do, and I, I always said I, I, I almost cared or a fault, but I really don't think that it's a fault. Um, I. No. 
I really make a conscious a conscious effort because to let people know that I'm thinking about them. Um, it's it doesn't take but three seconds to text someone and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you." So true. Because because we spend we spend our lives are so busy, right? We are, and we're so busy. Yeah. And I have friends. I have friends. You know, I am so blessed by my friends. I can't even begin to tell you the circle of friends that I have. And it will be, you know, you know how it, it happens, right? I have friends all over the country. So not all over, but you know, I mean, I have my in Wisconsin, in in Massachusetts, in Texas, in you know, all over the place. And it's easy for us for six months to go by and we go, dang. And then the first thing we usually say is, well, I've been thinking about you, but it's been just so busy. And it's like, we, if in the, in the moment, if we could just for a second reach out the minute that we're thinking about somebody, it takes two seconds to text somebody. Right. And I'm not saying all day, all day, but just if somebody's on your mind, be like, Hey, you've been on my mind. It, it, it only takes a minute. And for, for someone to be thought about, because I know personally, I, if somebody reached out to me, I get, I get excited. Right. And I get, wow. Yeah. I was thinking about you too. And, and it maintains the connections too, but it's, it's something so easy that I think that we just get too wrapped up in, in day to day. I agree. And, um, it's something that I've made a huge part of my life the past five, six years. I always reach out to my connections on text and, Generally, every once every couple months, you know, it's mm -hmm. on the forefront of my mind. And the response is always very similar, like, oh, wow, thank you for doing that. Like, you're always thinking of people. And for me, it's just I'm trying to also model the behavior that I'd like to see in other people. Yes. And say, hey, you know, busyness is in many ways a bad word. Um, it's a lot like what I was saying with that social distancing. I think there's a better way of putting mm -hmm. this. You know, like, is it that you're busy? Like, are you implying that you have zero time? Like, I bet if I did an inventory of your time, there's there's a lot of time. And I think there was a big research study about this, that most people have like an extra five, six hours a day that they could spend doing things like reaching out to other people. They just don't. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's really like, it's very easy, as you said, to go into that space where you're just like, oh, it's just been so busy. When reality is, you have control of that. You you don't you are not yeah. controlled like a like a puppet by some right. puppet master that says you may not talk to anyone for six months. You know, like right. it's not there. Um, what I think it is though is what's your priority? I mean, and I think it's also find the people that you want to reach out to regularly. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not a proponent of like oh reach out to every single person no. that you meet. You know, it's like there's no bandwidth for that, and it doesn't have meaning either for you. Right. You know. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know. So I have meaning with I reach out to people that I currently have meaning with a lot more meaning in my life, or that were more present, mm -hmm. and that I want to have that connection. I'm totally honest. I have tears of relationship, not tears like crying, but there's tears <laughs> oh, I do. of relationship. You know. <laughs> I have different tiers of relationships with people and some are more close, some are less close, mm -hmm. but still important. It just depends, you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the kind of person too, that I, I don't have very many surface friends. Um, Explain that just, surface friends. What's that? Explain that surface friends. Um, just, 
somebody that you kind of go, hey, like that you don't really have deep, meaningful conversations with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, acquaintances, if you will. And, you know, that's probably a better term, I guess. But, um, yeah, the 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 friends I have in my life are are close. Um, and I don't like I said, I don't have many friends that are um, that are just you know, surface. Um, that was another big, uh, thing that happened last year too, was, a there was, there was a falling out with, with, uh, two people of a group of friends that I was in. And that really impacted me hard because I had to take a good look at over the last few years, I've taken a good look at my circles and said, okay, who is, who is, is really good for me? Which again is hard for me because I grew up Catholic and we have this real, very real Catholic guilt of selfishness, right? So it's like, don't be selfish and you always have to think of other people. And I think it, it was, it's been hard for me to get over the term selfish um, because anything that would serve me, I would call selfish. Um, but that and I've learned is not, it's not the case. So, um, so just analyzing my circles and saying, okay, are, is everyone kind of on my team, so to speak? And am I on their team? Uh, because, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've just the quality over quantity, right? I mean, that's really, yes, really the way it is because, you know, I mean, there are people in our lives, unfortunately, that we have to interact with. Um, every day, you know, that we're just not going to be on board with, but that's just part of life. But in the general, like, this is my time and where I want to put my energy, I want to put my energy into people that are, are supportive and, and not necessarily to say, oh, that they are just, they sure code stuff. No, I, 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 most of my friends can tell me like it is and be like, really, you're being ridiculous right now (laughs) in a, in the most loving way, you know? So it's just finding it's, it's authentic, you know, just finding the authentic real people that at 3am when your car is dead in the parking lot somewhere or whatever that you can call up and just say, Hey, I need your help. And they're, they're there in a second. Do you feel like that's harder to find as you've gotten older or is that something that um, has been easier? Kind of take me through that. Um, I would say, I don't think that it's necessarily, no, that it's been harder to do as I've gotten older. It's just, I've just gotten more selective. Hmm. Yes. Um, You know, because I, I, I like another, you know, since we're diving into all the issues, um, another issue that I have is too, is that this whole, being accepted. And I don't like anyone to think of me in a negative light, which that's a lot of pressure, right? Because I'm not perfect (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, and it goes along with the whole people pleasing thing too. So it's, I don't know. It's like, I've just been so blessed. I think partly because I am very receptive to people. I mean, I've been hurt a lot, but I've also, it's, it's kind of, I hate to use the term weeded out, but kind of weeded out 
all of the people that weren't on board, you know, and so now I have this amazing core. And I mean, one of my best friends, we've known each other since high school. So, I mean, it's, it's not that this is, there's new, but then, but I also have one of my best friends who we just got close within the last year. So it's, it's, it's interesting when we talk about this, the whole idea of connection. And I am a firm believer that soulmates transcends any kind of idea of romantic relationship. Um, Because Mm. I have soulmates and they're not, they're not opposite sex. They are, it's just having that connection with somebody where you could really be yourself and they can be themselves. And you're just kind of there. Together. So you're saying like a kind of almost like a friendship soulmate or companionship soulmate type of thing. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I, I think, you know, it's so the term, you know, soulmates have always been, it's always been kind of, it's been a romantic kind of, you know, connotation, but I don't, yeah. I think for me, it's, it's beyond that. It's just, but that comfort of being with someone and just being so comfortable that you know that you can be yourself and vice versa. And you trust somebody that much, you know, I think, cause I think that's a deep level of trust as well. You're turning that on its head right there. That's very interesting. Um, I've never thought about it that way, but that's the beauty of all this. Having these conversations is you're learning things from people through their journeys and their growth as human beings. Mm-hmm. And that's a really different way of looking at soulmates. I mean, I'm really like thinking about it as you're talking. I'm like, huh, <laughs> I have to like really digest that actually. And yeah. um, let that marinate. And mm-hmm. it actually makes me think about people in my life that, you know, I've been married almost 16 years and, uh, you know, it's sometimes hard to think outside of that in that term with soulmates, mm-hmm. but I think that there could be an element of that, that um, if you think about it enough and you really digest it, um, there's a lot to that. That's very mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just, again, I just think it's, it's just having that deep emotional connection with somebody that doesn't have anything to do with a sexual attraction or any kind of, you know, anything like that. It's just, it's that connection. And I think we, I know for me, I, I need that because it, it is that level of trust because, you know, and not to say that I haven't been hurt in the past, obviously. Right. But at the same time, I think about the people that I, that I have in my life that I still have in my life for a very long time and how much, we, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, you say you haven't, I haven't talked to so-and-so in so long, but we, we get together and in a second, we're back to where we were. Just pick right up. Yeah. I think that that has that, that's like, that is part of it, you know, because there's no animosity or guilt or where you've been. Cause you know, whatever it's, <laughs> it's, Hey, here we are. Let's enjoy it. We haven't seen each other in a year and a half, but here we are. And we're enjoying every minute of it. And again, we pick up like right where we left off. So it's, it's, it's the coolest thing for me to, to have those people in my life because that just that sense of comfort 
Yeah, totally true. So after you went to this, after you went to Rise, mm-hmm. did you start making changes pretty quickly or was it a gradual thing? Uh, as far as everything? <laughs> all of it, all the stuff, Ooh. even this, yeah, I mean, I would love to know the process. Ooh. One, I mean, for me, I like to know, but I think for listeners, there's this, how do I put this? I think you can go on TV or when you hear somebody's story and they tell you, oh, you know, I became this different person or I changed, but I like the nitty gritty about that stuff. I like, what's the playbook? Your personal playbook for Mm -hmm. that. And some people think, oh, oh yeah, it just the light bulb clicked and (laughs) I started doing all these things. But for a lot of people, it's not that simple. It's a very slow change on things. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in your change rate, you know? Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I'm an overthinker. So I'll just say that. Hi, my name is Nikki and I'm an overthinker. Um, so I tend to be a hundred steps ahead of where I am now. So, which is one thing, another thing I'm learning to do is just try to enjoy the journey and not so much like worry about the destination. Cause I don't know where the destination is going. Right. So I, Realized all these things at Rise um, and then started doing the hard work. So I had actually, you know, journaling has always been a, an interesting thing. I've, I've tried journaling, like hand journaling. Um, uh, so many times I have probably have like 20 journals that have been started that have never been finished. Um, but I started using an app for journaling, actually, which I find is a lot easier for me. And kind of, uh, it's just more accessible. So I have it on my phone. And as I was processing through Rise um, and the whole experience, I I would get, things would just come to me and I'd be like, okay. And then I would jot it down in my, in my um, journal online. You know what I mean? And I would just like on my phone, pull it out like in the moment and say, okay, I'm going to revisit that later. Um, and then kind of taking... Cause it was a lot. It's a lot. It's, I mean, it's been a lot and a very, very emotional and, and just uh, to be honest, it took me probably, Oh God, over a week or two weeks after rise to really even begin to digest everything that had happened because it kind of just was all in my face. Like, what do I do with this? Right. So it was taking, taking one thing at a time and, and just kind of jotting down my, as things were kind of coming to me, and then taking each one at a time and kind of processing through that in my mind. Um, and then kind of making steps for me to say, okay, this, I figured out this, how am I going to get to the next, the next part of this? And how am I going to process through this? What do I need to do? Um, and, you know, for me, for me, my friends are a huge part of that because they, I, I process things myself, but I also need a sounding board. Right. And I need someone to be like, all right, so this is what's going on, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. um, So, yeah. So, I mean, it really is. It really is. It's a work in progress. Right. And I for me, I like things to happen quick, which I think most people do. Right. We want instant. Yeah, it's anybody. Right. (laughs) Right. So, you know, and kind of just, you know, reprioritizing things, saying, okay. So, and it's not to say that I sat down and said, okay, today I'm going to work on my relationship, you know what I mean? Or kind of thing. It was, it just was kind of what came to me at the time and then making sure I didn't 
kind of put it away because I think remaking realizations about ourselves, it's hard, right? It's really hard. And to admit it, number one, to yourself, and then number two, say, okay, what am I going to do? Has this served me? Like, has this really served me in my life? If it hasn't, okay, well then what am I going to do to change it? And how am I going to move forward? So, so that's kind of been the, the process, but it's, it's literally, I mean, it's a day-to-day thing, but I think it sounds really cliche, but realizing what the root is, is the most important thing, because if you don't know, you don't know what you're working with. Yeah, totally agree. So the person you are now today on what we're working on March 18th right now, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, March 18th, where are you at today? And where do you want to be? Um, I would say, well, considering the current state of affairs in the world, <laughs> yeah, emotionally, am, you, know, you know, emotionally, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely different than I was a month ago. You know what I mean? As far as, you know, just all of this personal growth going on, because I think my, my, my focus has shifted a little bit, you know, but I think I, you know, going through an exercise, um, well, many exercises at Rise talking about what we wanted, what, what is your true life's purpose, right? So I have always been a helper. I have always said, well, I don't care what I do as long as I'm, I'm helping people, right? And it sounds really, you know, lame, but that's kind of what I always was always kind of in, right? So I was always in a support role. I was in an admin role. I was in a coordinator role. I was, I was always in these roles where it kept me small. So one thing that, you know, and I keep going back to rise, but was, you know, like stop living small, live, you need to live big. So I, I had realized that I said, you know what? I, I, while I, I like my job, I do, I love my job and I love the people I work with and, you know, at the same time, I'm thinking this really isn't my life's purpose, though. <laughs> like, like sitting at a desk and helping, you know, doing administrative stuff really isn't my life's purpose. So I had uh, decided, well, thought that, okay, what is what's big goals for myself, right? What what's the dream? What what do I what is my dream? So, um, and. I never really had thought about it before, which is interesting um, because I've had many dreams over my lifetime and just not, you know, when I was a a kid, I wanted to be a psychiatrist, which I got a degree in psychology and did that for a while, but then realized that, um, then I was medical. I was a medical assistant for almost six years. Yep. Did that. Um, So I realized that my um, utilizing my, my voice and my that I may have a talent for talking to people um I and listening and all of that I realized that I want to uh do something in the um podcast or blog realm and then I talked to Michelle Zellner and she's like you need to write a book and I was like I need to do what <laughs> she's like she's you need to write a book and I was like uh, so I am, I'm going to write a book. So, um, it's, it's exciting and scary at the same time, but, um, 
but yeah, I want to do, I want to be involved in the wellness field. Um, that's really what I have a passion for. And especially for, uh, Having been through the experience that I've been through with depression and and anxiety, and I think it's so important, especially now more than ever, that we need we need to know that we are not alone in our feelings. And I think I have I I could have a voice to help people to um, feel like they're not alone, and you know through humor because. Like I said before, I love to laugh um, and just connection. So so that's kind of where, where I've realized I'm going. Um, <laughs> my future, where I want my future yeah. to go is is really to dive into to this space and um, the wellness space. And, you know, I, you know, started running in 2017. I mean, I've been overweight uh, quote unquote morbidly obese as according to the BMI scale don't get me started on that um, my whole life but you know it's how movement has affected me and how finding running and finding a community and just how that has changed my life how I you know can hopefully inspire people I think that's really what my life's purpose is is to, is to try and inspire people that's awesome that's really wonderful so you're going to write a book. Nikki's going to write a book. Do you have a working title for this book? I don't yet. <laughs> I don't yet. I know. I, I got to, I got to, I have to refocus because I, it's, yeah, got to prioritize my time and, 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 and get this done. But I don't have a working title yet. I've thrown around many, many things in my head, but don't, haven't landed on one yet. You're not going to put it out there right now to us? <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I wish I could. I wish I could. I, I What's don't... it about? What is it going to be about? <sighs> I, my story, really, and, and connection. Just the, the, uh, this whole idea that we're not alone in this world. We're not alone with our feelings. We're not alone with, you know, just all of that. You know, so I know it sounds pretty vague, but that's kind of kind of where where I I'm at with it. Um, it's just, you know, I, I don't while I don't think that my story is unique, I think it's relatable. And I think once when we realize that we are all relatable, regardless of, you know, how we grew up, what our ethnicity is, what we we're all we're all we're all very similar people. Oh, it's fascinating. You're, what you said made me think of, you know, about, um, we're not alone. Maybe this is a really far off thing, but it made me think of the movie Ad Astra. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, that's um, one I actually have not seen. Uh, I'm a big movie person. I love going to the movie theaters. Uh, oh, that's not happening too. right now, uh, <laughs> me too. but you know, um, it's with Brad Pitt and, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and, Essentially, I mean, it's been out a long time, but basically yeah. they're, you know, he's trying to find his father in space um, out past like Saturn, like Neptune. And, you know, the mission is trying to find life beyond our solar system in the solar system whole thing. And it's a story about a father and a son, essentially. And the question is, of are we alone? And 
he does all this research over all these decades and he gets to his father and he goes, you know, we have all these great machines and stuff. And I've looked out, I peered out into space beyond farther than any humans ever seen. And I saw nothing, absolutely nothing, just a vast emptiness. What if we're alone? And sometimes mm -hmm. I think we spend our whole lives looking for or asking the question in terms of space and other things. What if we're, you know, are we alone? I'm like, but we don't, the, the question is, why aren't we connecting with the people in front of us? Right. We're so concerned about what's, listen, I'm a big like space movie buff uh -huh. and science. And I love all that stuff, man. I love all that alien stuff. And Oh, you and me both. Right. I mean, but I think we're missing. We're so concerned about what's out there. We haven't taken care of, of, of what's here. Right. And there are a lot of, yeah, we are alone. A lot of people are alone here on earth mm -hmm. and they actually can find life. It's actually everywhere. It doesn't mm -hmm. need to be searched for, you know, you know past the known um, solar system. Mm -hmm. And so all these stories and people like yourself are trying to connect other people and say, life is out there. It exists. Mm -hmm. It's here on earth. You need to focus on that, especially, right. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a great, it's being grateful for what you have too. Right. Cause I think as humans too, we are always looking for the next greatest thing. Right. And it's just being grateful for what you have. And I think, you know, especially now it's, it's okay. We can say, okay, we don't have this and we don't have that. And I don't have this and I can't do this. What can you do? What do you have? You know, and, and, you know, in, in the face of, you know, having potentially losing my job or it, it, people losing their jobs and things like it's, it's really hard to not be consumed by, all of the things that aren't when we have to start thinking of the things that are. Yeah. Um, and just to be, to be grateful for the people we have in our lives and whatever it is, you know, and, and the whole switching your focus from, again, from the things that you don't have to the things that you have and being grateful for them. Um, I had done a while ago, which um, <laughs> I have to get back to. Um, I had, done a, what I called a tada list, not a to-do list. So when I, speaking from personal development, I would say, okay, so there's always a to-do list, right? I, I want to be thinner. I want to be healthier. I want to be this. I want to be that, right? Well, instead of a to-do list, what is a tada list? What, what do you, what, what about you do you like? What, what have you done that have made you strong and the person that you are? Because things you think that, that you're weak for whatever you went through. But guess what? You went through it and you're standing here and you're still breathing. So guess what? That made you strong. And it's changing your mindset for changing your mindset for what has happened to you um, to what has happened for me. Because, and that's been a huge thing since Rise too. because when you, you can walk around thinking that things are just happening to you, but they're not happening to you. They're happening for you. And until you, when you flip the script on that, it's amazing how much your mind shifts. 
your, your, your mindset just completely shifts because you're like, Oh, okay. So yeah, I was, I was emotionally abused, but what did that do for me? Did that make me a strong person or does that make me weak? You know, no, it made me a strong person because I lived through it and give yourself some darn credit. You know what I mean? Like, so, so it started doing the to-do list, not the to-do list. You're bringing it home here. You know, I can sense your passion. You're feeling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is <laughs> like, a thing mm-hmm. for me. I'm <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You're feeling it. I'm feeling it. It's interesting for me on this side of the equation because what's happening here and what happens with most people is I don't actually say a lot. You guys say a ton. And that's the point is that you're, you're telling these stories and you start, everybody starts going, that engine starts chugging, chugga, 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 chugga. Oh, Nikki's getting warmed up. Oh, here she goes. <laughs> oh baby. Oh, she's, she's starting to get it going. Ooh, that thing's going quick now. You know, like it's wonderful to see. It's to listen to actually see, I can't see it, but it's one wonderful to listen to your passion and your fire and how this is really connected to you, mm-hmm. that you're making substantial change. I'm really glad we, we got connected by Michelle Zellner. I'm very grateful to know you, Nikki. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. I'm, I'm working my way into Nikki's friendship circle, everyone, just so you know. <laughs> uh, she may not know it. You're, you're good. You're good. I was, I was hoping to meet you in person uh, in a couple of months, but you know, this, I know at this point, <laughs> Well, you know, the world has different plans currently. With Correct. Things. Correct. But that doesn't mean it won't happen. You know, it's right. it's just a remix. You know, mm-hmm. there'll be another opportunity and it actually might make it even better. You mm-hmm. know, um, yep. so I, yep. I'm, I'm just happy. I'm happy I get to have all these conversations, happy that we're connecting. We'll continue to connect and yeah. that you agreed to come on and tell your story. Absolutely. I am so, so, so grateful. So grateful. And just, you know, keeping, keeping connected. That's the thing. That's, that's kind of the, my motto these days is, you know, we can't, we're doing this physical distancing because we're changing it right now. That's what we're saying for now. We're changing No more social distancing. No more social distancing. But since we're doing that, it's, it's now, you know, I, I had a Skype, I had a Skype call last night with my, my two friends in Massachusetts and it was amazing. You know, and so I'm like, why did it take us to have this to do this? Like, you know, and just just, just stay connected. Right. And that's that's what we need to do. We just need to stay connected. We just stay connected. Well, this has been a great time of connection and I appreciate you coming on and uh, we will definitely be in touch. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm just so, so, so grateful. You got it. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but... Don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. 
When it's time for an adventure on the open highway, one quick call to American Family Insurance gets you headed in the right direction. Our travel peace of mind package is there if you encounter a bump in the road. From roadside assistance to rental car coverage, we have you covered. Find a local agent or get a quote at amfam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.